Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled by a 7-2 to uh, margin uh, that President Donald Trump is not immune from a New York prosecutor's effort to get his tax returns. It's a defeat for the president, to be sure. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Reggie Cicchini. Reggie, of course, is a Washington producer and correspondent with Global News in Washington, D.C. Uh, Reggie, good morning. Thanks so much for the uh, time on a very busy day today down in the Capitol. Good morning. Uh, surprised by the decision, Reggie? Uh, surprised a little bit, uh, mostly given the fact that two of the uh, justices who uh, were a part of the majority ruling were the president's two nominees, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. Uh, you know, the president is likely going to be uh, angered at this situation, but at the end of the day, uh, there is kind of still a partial victory here, knowing that this is going to likely go back to lower courts and run out the clock heading into the election. Yeah, let's let's maybe talk about the logistics here. I mean, when we see the headline uh, that broke just a few minutes ago by a seven to two score, you, it, it, I don't want people to get the idea in their mind's eye that okay, that means that you know they're walking across the street and turning those documents over. This fight is not over, is it? No, this fight is not over, and it, that is the case, uh, real really, for both uh, of the rulings from the Supreme Court. You know, if we start with the New York, uh, the New York case, where prosecutors were looking to get uh, access to the president's finance, or at least to Donald Trump's financial records uh, for a grand jury investigation. Essentially, what the Supreme Court has ruled is that that needs to go back to a lower court. They need to be able to uh, kind of reassess the situation, which means that the president, or at least Donald Trump's uh, uh, records, won't be given to the prosecutor and the grand jury immediately. But it also says that the president is not Donald Trump is not immune uh, from any uh, of these issues. Uh, um, you know, worth noting here, we need to remember it's not the president. It's, it's, it's citizen Donald Trump uh, in mm-hmm. all of these cases. But at the end of the day, uh, it, it is a lower court that is going to take this over again. So it's not the end of the road. It's just a partial victory for the president. There was some inkling that this might have been the, the way things were going to roll out, though, Reggie. As I think you reported to us a few months ago when uh, the lawyers on both sides were actually making their presentations to the court some time ago. Uh, the Trump lawyers actually got a pretty rough ride from a number of the justices, including John Roberts and others, uh, about this idea that he should be exempt. And, and the, the common theme at that hearing, if I recall, you, you, you're reporting to us, was uh, nobody's above the law, uh, including you, Mr. Trump. And, and so maybe, maybe it's not such a surprise then that uh, the ruling was uh, is, is so heavily weighted in, against Trump in this situation. No, and that's really where the court has really been trying to uh, uh, put the marker here, that Donald Trump is no different than any other person uh, in the United States and that Donald Trump is not above the law. That's something that we heard over and over during the impeachment inquiry as well, where they would say the president is not above the law. It's, it's still worth reminding here that this incident, uh, at least linked to New York, did have to do with the, the, uh, the, the hush money payments uh, to women who came forward during the 2016 election. So this was before Donald Trump was a president, uh, and the claims of any kind of immunity for a president were simply blown out because Donald Trump was a citizen at the time, and he had his personal attorneys uh, being the ones who were arguing for him uh, in court here. Uh, so this is simply a, a blow to citizen Donald Trump. Nonetheless, it is likely going to anger President Donald Trump. Reggie, does this set a precedent, though, that very fact that uh, in the decision that they said, you know, nobody, including the president of the United States, is, is above the law, uh, does, does that uh, give fuel to the fire, for instance, for the, uh, the, the office down in the Southern District of New York to pursue a number of these cases that they, they've been looking at in the last couple of years? 
I mean, it, it potentially does. You know, th- there was already some precedent that had been set, you know, decades ago when it came to uh, what presidents were doing inside the Oval Office. You know, if we're talking about Watergate, if we're talking about uh, Whitewater, there is a precedent here for the courts to side against a sitting president. Uh, it's also worth remembering here that a president can't be charged with a crime. But what I think this might do is give the Southern District of New York, despite the fact that it's going through some uh, changeover and some turmoil right now, uh, a better opportunity to continue their investigation for the day that President Trump is no longer president, goes back to being a citizen, and they're able to carry out any kind of potential charges uh, that they've been holding on to uh, for the last little bit. You know, this this is precedent setting in that, you know, a Supreme Court can now say that a citizen uh, did something if they become president. You know, there's a lot of information, a lot of details to try and work through right now. At the very end of the day, at least with this New York case, it's a win for both sides. This has got to be a very frustrating circumstance, though, for Trump and his team. As you've mentioned right off the top, uh, the fact that two of his appointees to the Supreme Court voted against him in this situation. And and for that matter, uh, to go back to the Southern District of New York again, where this all emanated from, uh, the guy that's running that department right now is also a Trump appointee uh, that's uh, pursuing Mr. Trump. I mean, if if the the intent was, I'm going to put my people there so they'll get my back on this, it's not working out very well for him. No, and but look, the Southern District of New York is different compared to most other district courts across the United States. It's often known as the Sovereign District uh, Court because it oftentimes deals with uh, incredibly large uh, and oftentimes politically heavy uh, cases. Uh, and it does so often without having any kind of intervention from the, the Justice Department, or at least from Maine Justice. Uh, that's something that's obviously been called into question over the last couple of weeks, as we've seen uh, the district attorney, uh, uh, the Southern, uh, the, the attorney from the SDNY, pulled out and replaced. And then that's why we say there's some turmoil and some change. But they do continue uh, their investigations. And they have said that they're not intending to slow down any of their investigations. Uh, As you mentioned, though, and as we had mentioned off the top, that two of the president's uh, nominees were a part of the majority. I think that's going to potentially burn the president even more so, given the fact that the second ruling uh, says uh, in a majority that the House is able to go forward with uh, subpoenas for, uh, for, for financial records from uh, third parties that are linked to uh, then-citizen Donald Trump, that potentially could burn him even more because this is essentially giving the Democrats now uh, a little bit more height and a little bit more credence to be able to move forward. Let me let me go into that, if we could, for just a second, Reggie. And I, I, we're both going to play lawyer here, I guess, for just a couple of minutes uh, because this gives, the, as you mentioned, the Congress, the, the Democratic Congress, a chance to go after the, with these subpoenas. Trump's ignored all the subpoenas that have been issued in the past. Is, does this change any of that? Well, I mean, look, what the House was actually looking for here were uh, documents that may have been uh, from third party, uh, uh, third party institutions up to and including uh, uh, Deutsche Bank. And these are third party subpoenas. And and the the banks had already said that they would uh, agree to and comply with any subpoenas that came before them. The president and Donald Trump simply has, you know, denied any request for any kind of financial information, whether he says that it's under audit, whether he says that he's simply not going to comply with any of the subpoenas. The president's going to have a hard time stopping these third party banks from handing over any information, though this, again, has gone back to a lower court. So we're likely going to watch the, uh, the clock run out on this. But this is a big moment. And this is this is this is going to be big for House Democrats who are going to call this a potential win in their years long battle against the president. What about those third parties, uh, Reggie, the, the Deutsche Banks and others like that? Is this going to motivate them one way or another to maybe comply and not wait for a court ruling? Or are they just going to sit back and see? 
I mean, you know, it'll be up to the banks and it'll be up to what their lawyers say. But they had said that they would uh, uh, give any information over uh, if a subpoena was granted by the Supreme Court or whatever the lower court says. We'll have to see how they work this. Uh, But again, Democrats are going to call this a win because they have been accusing the president of having kind of fudged his financial statements in order, at least Donald Trump, again, uh, fudging financial statements in order to obtain loans, possibly reduce his taxes. Uh, and they, they want these documents not only linked to Donald Trump, but they want it linked to the Trump organization. They want it linked to members of the family, including Ivanka and including Eric and Don Jr. So there is a potential uh, kind of wide range here and wide net that's being cast to get any kind of uh, information they can. There's also still a possibility here that they're looking into potential uh, uh, links between Donald Trump and Russia uh, when it comes to some of these loans that were given out by Deutsche Bank, given Donald Trump's. Uh, previous history when it comes to uh, bankruptcies and the inability uh, to to deal with large sums of money uh, without having a bank come after him. So there is there are wide ranging uh, consequences here for Donald Trump, but also for his family. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. But uh, as as you mentioned, though, to, uh, in regards to running out the clock on this, uh, you know, we're only what uh, two and a half, three months away from you know getting into election mode here. Uh, usually after Labor Day is when the election really kicks into high gear here. Uh, this is the last day of sitting for the Supreme Court, and, and they go on their summer hiatus after this, and I would imagine something similar with lower courts. So this isn't even going to get before a lower court judge for some time, is it? No, this, this is still months off. You know, we're going to have to wait for initial arguments, initial hearings. There's going to have to be back and forth between the lawyers, between the lower courts. You know, a ruling is not likely going to take place any time before the November election. Uh, so there is a chance that, you know, if the clock runs out and Donald Trump loses, this then becomes a, a, a matter of, of, uh, of legal issues involving, uh, you know, a sitting ex-president and, and back to being a citizen. But there are still months and months of procedures that are going to take place, meaning that this is now likely going to become uh, yet another thing for either Joe Biden or for Democrats to latch onto as they try to run campaigns against President Trump and Republicans. Reggie, one of the people that Trump has appointed who has had his back on all this stuff, of course, is Bill Barr, the attorney general, uh, who's stuck his nose into a number of different things, whether it was the, the Mueller report or a number of different things, and, and stated quite frankly and overtly that, uh, that you know, the president is above the law and you shouldn't be involved in any of this stuff. Uh, does, is there any recourse for Barr here to get involved in this? I mean, look, there is an opportunity that he can try to get involved in this. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Supreme Court is, is what determines the law of the land uh, and the precedents that, that follow with the law of the land. And it would be hard to see Maine justice trying to get involved uh, with something that the, that the Supreme Court, rather, has made a ruling on, especially a majority ruling. Now, it has gone back to lower courts, and we know that there is some influence, obviously, when it comes to the Department of Justice and how these district and lower courts uh, and appellate courts operate, you know, it, it, we'll have to do a wait and see to see whether or not either the president invokes Bill Barr's name or whether Bill Barr, uh, you know, decides to extend his arm out and try to do something. That's something that, you know, is likely going to play out now in these quiet months when there is no court sitting. It's a, it's just another in a, ses, a succession, I guess, of, of, of bad decisions and bad deci- uh, things that are happening with the Trump uh, team. This has been a pretty bad uh, couple of weeks for them. I mean, when you look at COVID, uh, the economic numbers, I know we tried to spin those about a week ago. But, uh, you know, even since that uh, data came out, of course, we found out that a lot of those jobs that he talked about have actually disappeared again because of some of the, the shutdowns that have gone on. Uh, for a guy who's trying to get a second term here, things are not really going his way. 
No, they're not. And look, the president, uh, you know, was he depends on the current situation uh, to be able to run his campaign because he doesn't have much uh, of a winning platform to be running on, at least when it comes to strong legislation, because he failed on some of the biggest issues that he originally ran on, which was trying to deal with Obamacare, trying to deal with health care across this country. Uh, the only things that he really has to run on uh, are, are uh, getting judges put in place, including Supreme Court judges, which we now know how that's gone for him. Uh, it's worth noting here, though, the Supreme Court, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, the president had tweeted, it seems the Supreme Court doesn't like me because they had been issuing rulings that were against the president and in favor uh, of, of the Americans uh, in general. So this is just another roadblock for the president to try and run over as he heads uh, towards that finish line in November and mixed in with the COVID crisis, mixed in with the financial and economic crisis this country uh, is dealing with. These are some significant roadblocks that the president is trying to maneuver. Reggie, talk about the reaction here on the Beltway about this. And, and clearly, I, I, the initial reaction is going to be along party lines. Democrats are going to be happy about this. Republicans, maybe not so much. But we've noticed, and, and you've been talking about this with your reporting, an erosion of, of some of that staunch Republican support, even in the Senate. Uh, folks that were always there behind Trump seem to be uh, scaling back a little bit. And, uh, well, the announcement yesterday, of course, that I think four uh, Republican senators have announced that they're not going to go to the convention uh, later on this summer. Uh, they, they say it's because of COVID. But let's face it, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a growing list, it seems, of people uh, that, that are seemingly backing away from Trump as they uh, move toward their own reelection chances. And I think that that is part and parcel with some of the polling that's coming out in the United States that shows that the Republicans are starting to uh, find themselves in hot water the more they associate themselves with the leader of the Republican Party. Yes, you're right, there are a number of Republicans, including high-ranking and senior Republicans, who aren't going to the Republican convention uh, citing COVID concerns, but also citing the fact that they realize that there is now a bit of a rift happening within the GOP. Uh, but when we're talking about public polling here, uh, you know, the Republicans are now facing an, a serious uphill climb when it comes to retention of the U.S. Senate, which obviously right now is GOP-controlled, recent polls that are out there show that there's a chance that uh, the uh, Senate ends up going to the Democrats plus seven. There is a real fear here that, uh, that the Republicans are losing their grip on Americans, and that is because uh, of President Trump's uh, attitude towards the current situation, his attitude uh, towards the Democrats and some of the Republicans who don't stand in line with him, uh, and just the current situation across this country. There are that growing number of Republicans that are trying to back away and do things on their own. When you're looking at COVID, that's why you're seeing some Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, wearing a mask now when they go mm -hmm. out in public, which obviously is in defiance of the president. Yeah, whoever thought that was going to happen. Uh, there is a group down there called the Lincoln Project, uh, and these are Republicans, small-c conservatives, uh, that uh, are disenfranchised. They don't like Donald Trump. They think he's hijacked their, their Republican Party and their Republican ideals. Uh, there's a lot of big names, a lot of money behind uh, this, this project, and I know that they've got a pretty aggressive television ad campaign that's going on. What kind of an impact is that having, Reggie? Well, obviously, it has a big impact. It's got some big names behind it, including the husband uh, of Kellyanne Conway, who yeah. obviously is, uh, is a loud voice when it comes to the Trump administration. But they do have some political sway here. They've been around for a long time, and they understand how party politics work, especially uh, in a country where you only have two parties, and there's often fractures inside those individual parties. Look, the Lincoln Project has been accusing uh, allies of the president uh, of being uh, a cowardice, and they're uh, accusing Trump's allies of betrayal. This is a way to try and drive out to the broader uh, Republicans 
uh, base across the United States that are not in line with the president, that there is, uh, you know, a potential for change, that they're looking to see, uh, you know, maybe Joe Biden's going to win. It gives us an opportunity to regroup and start over again, uh, you know, four years from now. Uh, but this is something that the president uh, obviously fears. This is something that uh, the staunch uh, allies of the president fear, because 30 percent of the United States, uh, or at least 30 percent of, of people who follow American, are not the entirety of the Republican base, meaning that there are a lot of people out there whose opinions can be swayed. Well, and we saw that. I mean, that's that's re- basically the reason he's in the White House in the first place. A lot of people that uh, never voted Republican probably gave him a shot last time because they didn't like Hillary and they weren't pleased with the way things were going. I, I wonder how disenchanted those people are. But I guess that's indicative uh, from uh, the, the the polling that we've seen right now and what they call the you know the swing states. And, and you've been reporting a lot about those places like Michigan, Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, and places of that nature. Uh, that Trump won last time, which had got him the job, but uh, they seem right now to be heavily in favor of Joe Biden. They, they are more in favor of Joe Biden. You know, uh, a lot of these swing states across the Midwest, through the Rust Belt, even down into the South right now, uh, the Southwest, you're finding that there is more support for Joe Biden. He's somebody who resonates better uh, with blue-collar workers. He's someone who resonates better uh, with, with, uh, with um, the, the diverse population across this country. And you're seeing that uh, reflected in those polls where the president, uh, in some cases, uh, is falling behind Joe Biden by two points. And in places like Wisconsin and Minnesota uh, and even into Pennsylvania, trailing by as much as 10 points. It goes to show that there is uh, potential here for these moderate Republicans who may be deciding that Joe Biden is the more preferred candidate uh, over somebody like Donald Trump, who obviously has been incredibly divisive for this country. But even when you look further south, if you look at somewhere like Florida, uh, where it's almost a neck and neck race or something like Texas, where the president is only leading by two, it goes to show that there is just a growing shift in the demographics in this country. uh, And that is another thing that has Republicans worried. Big day in Washington, D.C. and right across the United States, obviously. Always great to get your perspective on this stuff, Reggie. Thank you so much for the time today. Great talking with you. Thank you. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.